Pastor and author Dale Partridge once said this. The internet forces us to carry the burdens of those we do not know and are unable to help. The drowning of a young child, the terminal disease of a new mom, the political riots of another country, and the war in a far land. Our daily scrolling inundates us with an unfiltered mountain of tragedy. Over time, this weight piles upon our souls and infects our minds, anxiety, depression, and worry take root. In addition, this weight we carry of the millions we don't know compromises our ability to carry the burdens of those we do. Our pursuit, our pursuit and addiction of the online life and a global understanding has in turn diminished our local life and leaves us in a constant state of overwhelm and fullness. In turn, we must limit what we know what we see, and what we hear. Not out of evil or wretched ignorance, but out of the care for the need to bear the wounds of those right around us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, that you've put in us a heart to love. God, you've put in us a heart to care and to bear the burdens of others. And in our culture, we have so much pulling on our hearts, God. We have so much pulling on our resources, whether it's our, our money or our time, God, or just our empathy. Father, I pray that you will speak to us this morning, God. I pray that you will use me this morning, God, that you will open our, our hearts and our minds and our eyes and give us freedom and encouragement that we are able to do something this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as a society, we have become overwhelmed by the burdens of those that we do not know. We are overwhelmed. We are consumed with those things. And the result is often paralysis, discouragement, and sometimes apathy. We need to learn to lighten the load of the people and, and people who can help. As humans, we long to bear in the sufferings and burdens of others and we're often empowered when we're doing these things. You see, serving, loving, teaching, and lifting the burdens of others makes us stronger and causes us to grow. You know, speaking of stronger, I've been trying a little bit lately to get in better shape. John did it, now I got to do it, right? You know, if he's going to, you know, lose some weight, then I got to lose. I got about 20 pounds to go, and I may look like I'm in decent shape, but in reality, I'm not in great shape. My cardiovascular health is very poor. So last Sunday, I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to go for a run. And it was probably 95 degrees, which is dumb, number one. And number two, it was probably about an hour or two after I'd eaten probably a terrible meal, you know, because I wasn't ready to be healthy yet. So I ate a bad meal at lunch, and then I'm going to run in the afternoon. And I decided to take my little three-year-old for a run. And I put her in this, this Bob running, jogging stroller. I don't know if you know what those are. And you see, sometimes you see those... You know, young moms pushing their babies. Well, I'm pushing the baby behind this thing, or the three-year-old. And I don't do it very often. I've only done it like two or three times, and she's not used to me pushing her in this thing. So I decide I'm going to do one mile. I'm going to run up to, what is it, Chatfield or something, and run back. And as I'm running, my lungs start to, you know, burn. They're burning, and my legs are on fire, and I'm gasping for air, right? But it's normal workout stuff maybe for 
some, someone who's not in shape. So I'm running, I'm gasping, and I start, I start you know, stopping. So I'm like, I can't, I can't do this, you know? And then so my daughter looks back at me, three-year-old, with total concern. And she goes, Dad, are you okay? Like, I've never, are you going to, like, die or something? I'm really legitimately concerned about your health. She had never seen me like that before. You know, not only, not only am I uh, out of shape, but I'm also a lot weaker than I used to be. Um, when, it, when it comes to push-ups, I used to be able to do, you know, maybe 30, 40 in a row, and now I'm like 5 to 10, no joke, but 5 to 10 push-ups, and I'm just, my arms are shaking, I'm, I'm pretty weak. So I decided to go back to the gym and, and lift and work out. And uh, like most guys in here, I don't know if you'd agree with me on this one, but we think we're as strong as we were when we were 18 to 25. You know, I'm 44 now, I think I can lift, don't make fun of me, my max was like 180, my bench press is 180. I know Mott was like 400 probably, right? 400? <laughs> Something like that, yeah, right? Am I right? Close? Yeah, yeah, right. 180, oh, 180. So I'm, I'm pushing, I'm trying to push up 180. So I don't, I know I'm smart enough now to know I may not be as strong as I used to be. So I'm going to go to the, the plates, which is a lot safer. I take the pin out and put it in 225 and, you know, stretch out and ready. So I'm going to be able to do this. Step up and I'm like, all right, I'm going to drop it down a little bit. So I go about 200, you know, and I can't move it. 180. 150, 125, okay, 100, all right, all right, there we go, a couple reps in there, starting to burn, I'm done, arms are shaking, put it down, put the pin back in at 350, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> you don't want the next guy to come and be like, 100, really? That was 350, you don't think, at least I was doing something, right? When we were put in a place where we are forced to lift a weight, or a burden that is impossible to lift, we will fail. We'll become discouraged and we'll become defeated. We look at the world around us and understand that we are called to love. We are called to act and to carry the burdens of others and feel great when we're doing these things. But can I be honest? The weight and the burden is just too heavy. Many churches in America feel this burden as we try to minister to people in our congregation. And Francis Chan wrote a, letter, uh, wrote a book called Letters to the Church. And in that book, he talks about how he would advise different churches on what they need to do to kind of improve and, and be able to, to lift that burden successfully. And he says, There's a simple exercise that I walk through with church leaders. First, I have them list all the things that people expect from a church. They usually list the obvious things like a really good service. Which, by the way, check, John, check. It's going to be good. Age-specific uh, ministries, so like youth ministries, uh, kids' ministries, stuff like that. A certain style or volume or length of singing. A well-communicated sermon. Conveniences such as parking, a clean church building, coffee and childcare, etc. Then he has them list all the things that God commands them to do. And they'll usually list the things like, Love one another as I have loved you, John fifteen twelve. Visit orphans and widows, James 1.27. Make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28.19. And bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6.2. You see, my initial reaction to these commands is one of discouragement and overwhelm, right? Love one another as I have loved you? That's hard. 
right? That is an incredible task, to love somebody as Jesus has loved me. That's incredible. Number two is to visit orphans and widows. That has always been the passage. has always been like, oh, I don't do that. I don't do that. Make disciples of all nations, all nations, and then bear more burdens. I'm already bearing enough burdens as it is. This may seem overwhelming, but I think there's some freedom and liberation in this. And we can achieve this very simply. Because at the core of our beings, we long to be people who obey Christ, to love others and grow in maturity. We already have that going on for us. We need to power up. We need to adjust our weight, and we will grow. We need to power up. We need to adjust our weight, and we'll grow. John 15, 9 says, if you have your Bibles, you can open it up, but I think we'll have it on the screen for you. John 15, 9 says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that, you may not, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. See, the first thing we see here is we need to power up. We need to power up. We, need to, we talked a few years ago about the Beatitudes and, and living the abundant life or the uh, fulfilled life. And one way we live that fulfilled life is by loving Jesus, by obeying his commands. We want to remain in him and continue that relationship, whether through discipline or obedience, we need to continue to foster that relationship to remain in him, and we will be filled with joy. And the cool thing is it's not just filled with joy that that benefits us. It's we'll be filled with joy that overflows and extends to others. This involves discipline and obedience to sit at the feet of Jesus, to learn to love better and to be filled with that joy. Let's not overthink this. Sometimes in life, we lose our joy, right? We lose our happiness. We begin to become discouraged or defeated or depressed. The easiest thing we can do in those moments is to stop everything and go and sit at the feet of Jesus. Amen? To spend time with him, to spend time alone with him, to remove the distractions, to remove that weight of the world that we have, to remove it and sit at his feet. Jesus often did it. He would go and spend time with the Father. He would get away from the crowds and spend time with the Father. When we, become, when we go to the Father through reading and, and through prayer and in living a life of obedience to him, we become renewed. We become refreshed and refocused and we're filled with a joy. Not only a joy, but a joy that overflows. This is how you love others. This is how you lift the burdens of others. And this is how you ultimately will grow. Put some disciplines in place that will help you to build up that routine to fuel up. We need to power up. We need to adjust our weight. And we will grow. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. We can see from this statement that God wants us to grow in righteousness. There is a calling for us to obey this. Therefore, in verse 21, get rid of all moral filth and evil, so that 
that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. I don't know if you've picked up on this, but I've talked about reducing the weight of our community and we'll grow. And it kind of seems like I'm contradicting myself because you don't want to reduce weight, right, to grow. But what you have to understand is you have to add proper resistance to grow. Resistance is what causes us to grow. But if the weight is too heavy, you can't push it. You can't expand and contract. You need to add the proper resistance, the proper amount of weight or, in order to grow. So we need to limit that weight. We're already under, under the, the weight of the world. Our power is drained when we... Oh, the other thing, too, is we, we need to be careful. We need to get rid of that, the sin and moral filth in our lives. Not only do we watch our social media feed, which does inundate us and, and burden us and overwhelm us, we also can add another weight to our lives. Sin, moral filth, all that kind of junk, right? You know what I'm talking about. Hebrews talks about getting rid of the stuff that entangles us. We need to remove the, the filth in our lives, the sin in our lives, and we'll be able to be stronger. We'll be able to uh, lift the burdens. We won't get stuck underneath that weight. You know, one of my biggest fears in working out, I don't know if some of you stronger people are, if this bothers you, my biggest fear is, is getting on the bench press and laying down and then putting all that weight on the bar, lifting it a couple times, and I don't know if you know, you probably know what I'm talking about, about that one, there's that one part where you start to feel your arms give out. And you're like, okay, maybe I got three more in me. No, you don't. You got one more, maybe. So I go down one more time and I start shaking. Oh no, oh no, oh no. And then I'm thinking, boom. You know, that's my biggest fear. So a lot of times I won't put any uh, collars on to hold the weights on just in case, because I could just do this, uh, drop the weights off, you know, and then get up and hopefully nobody saw that. Especially... <laughs> Saw that I just had a 25 plate on each side, you know? No one wants to see that. That's my biggest fear. I'm so afraid of getting stuck underneath the weight. We are no good to anyone else when we are stuck under the weight of sin. We need to reduce the weight to something manageable, limit our social media feed, and get rid of that sin in our lives, and, 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 and receive that word implanted in us. We need to power up, adjust our weight, and we'll grow. James 1, 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looked like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. There's a key command in here in this, in this scripture that, that really hit me. Do it. Right? Do what it says. Nike has one of the greatest marketing campaigns out there. I love it because I'm a procrastinator. It's just do it. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Here's the command. Do it. It's so important. It's so powerful to have that. Here's where that discipline and obedience piece comes into play. You know what you need to do. In any situation, you know. Now just go and do it. My mind is very persuasive. Amen? I could talk myself out of anything. If you give me enough time, I'll be able to talk myself out of nearly anything. And there are times in my life where I need to tell myself to stop coming up with excuses. Right? I need to stop justifying behavior. I need to stop prioritizing other things. 
I need to stop taking the easy way out. Verse 26 says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. See, what's the one thing that the people in the church and the people outside of the church agree on? We cannot stand hypocrisy. We cannot stand when somebody says one thing and then does another. But you know, the reality is, hypocrisy at its core, I would say, is not an evil thing. Because I think we desire, as humans, we desire to live a certain life. We desire to be a certain way. But we don't have the fuel to get us there. We often don't have the fuel to get us there. You see that a lot sometimes in Christians. You see that a lot in the world or, or just in, with actors and celebrities. You see that this is what they, what they want to be, and they know they want to be this, but they can't do it, so they fake it. They hide it. We have that power, right? We have the power to live the way we want to live, the way we feel we should live, the way that God wants us to live. This is why non-religious, hate, non-religious people hate religion. But in verse 127, it says, Pure and undefiled religion before God our Father looks like this. To visit orphans and widows and to keep oneself abstained from the world. Visit orphans and widows and keep ourselves abstained from the world. We see two, two things going on here. You see actions. There needs to be actions. And there needs to be some sort of moral piety or purity. Um, some sort of ethics there. We need to be doing both these things. This verse about orphans and widows has always been a gut punch to me, like I mentioned before. It seems to add even more weight of the world. It's not just my family and friends I need to worry about. It's not the people at Grace or the people in my life group. It's not my small community here. It's orphans and widows. You see, this is one of those things where I feel like sometimes if you see the need in front of you, then you, you see the need. Sometimes orphans and widows are a little bit harder because we have a government that takes care of a lot of those things. Takes care of some orphanages, might fund certain things. Uh, there's, there's programs for people who are poor, right? We don't get to see it all the time. But the reality is that they do exist. These are the helpless people that do exist, even in our own nation. But it's more prevalent overseas. And so I would encourage you, yes, if you want to send resources to help orphanage, orphanages or uh, people that take care of the poor, that's always a great thing. Or if you want to go overseas, I know we have a great uh, missions team that, that, that actually will leave the United States and go right, and, and help, help those people out, that's a great thing too. But I feel like in Lakewood, we don't really have that so much. We do, but we don't have it so much. So I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you that it's not necessarily just orphans and widows. It's anyone who is helpless. We need to be looking for the people who are helpless. Because back in those days, if you were an orphan, you were helpless. There was no program. If you're a widow and you lost your husband, you were helpless. There's nothing to take care of you. So the church was called to help those people who could not help themselves. And we are still called to do that today here in Lakewood, to help those who cannot help themselves. You know, I was, I was um, writing this. I was, I was sitting at Starbucks, and, and I was kind of working on my sermon. And a homeless man sat down next to me. 
And I'm not good with I'm not good with that stuff. I don't know what to do. But I felt like I just finished this 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 uh, part of, of of studying, and he sat down next to me. And I was like, Oh man, God, what are you? I know you're doing something, right? There's something going on here. This isn't just some weird coincidence. So I was like, Okay. And let, just to uh, spoil the story, I, I, did, I, I did not do, I don't think, what God wanted me to do because I didn't know what to do. But I did look at him. And I remember a couple years ago, I was a youth pastor, and we went down and did the uh, Open Door Ministries, which is the homeless thing downtown here. And uh, I went down there. And one thing that they taught us was give them their dignity. If you don't need to give them money, you don't need to give them certain things, but at least give them their human dignity. Smile at them. Because the homeless, everyone treats them like this. They just don't even look at them. You're not a human. And the reality is, you know, they have their own situation. They have, you know, sometimes they can be manipulative. But we still need to give them their dignity. So I just looked at him and I smiled at him. He smiled back. Didn't know what else to do. Probably came up a little short. But I felt God was working on me, working, out, working in my heart on that. There are plenty of practical ways to help the helpless. We just need to open our eyes. We need to power up, adjust our weight, and we will grow. Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Make disciples? All nations? Here we go again. More weight, more burden. We're talking billions, right? Billions of people. That's an immense burden to carry. You know, some may be called to go and serve overseas, but then who's going to come and stay here and minister to those here? Because wherever you go, there's always going to be a new need where you left, right? So maybe the, the call isn't necessarily to go to Africa or go to Asia. Maybe the call is to maybe send. Maybe it is to go. We have a missions team that, that we send people in our, in our church. We send them to go. And they go to Africa. And they go to, you know, other, other, other areas of the world. But what about us here? There's people here that still need us. There's people here that need us. When we look at the church back then, there was a shift that happened. God's people were always the light, right? His nation was the center, right? They were to be a city on a hill, you know, a, a lamp on a stand. They were supposed to be something that people would come to, right? Whether it was in the land of Canaan or the church at Jerusalem, people would come and travel to the church. It's called centripetal, right? You would go to its center. But when Jesus came, he did something different, didn't he? He said, go. They no longer come to us. We go to them. And it looks a little bit differently. Obviously, they have come to us now. That's why we are in America, and we know of Jesus. We've learned of Jesus, and there's still places that are unreached, but we must be going continually, whether it's, uh, whether it's geographically or whether it's just as we go. As we go to the market, as we go... To, uh, to a family gathering, as we go to wherever it is, a softball game or, or a soccer game, where as we are going, we need to be looking for opportunities to disciple, to show people the love of Jesus 
we see this again, to be disciplined, to remain obedient, to go and make disciples. Let me ask you a question. Who's in charge of your life? I mean, who's really in charge of your life? Your day, your schedule, and your time. The answer is probably you. And if you're married, it's probably your spouse or your kids, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, yeah. My wife, this is what we're doing, you know. <laughs> and my kids like, this is what I'm doing. You're playing this game right now. And it's like, okay, that's what we're doing. God is not the one who makes requests of us. He commands us. And the real answer to this question should be God. God is the one in control. He's the one who tells us what to do. He's the one who sets out our schedule. And we must obey him. We don't get to check our calendar first. We don't get to see if that's something we even want to do. Maybe that doesn't align. It doesn't align with my mission statement, God. So maybe something else, you know? Do something else. Or maybe someone else could do that. Because I don't want to do that, right? We have to do it. We don't get to think it over and say, you know what, God, I, I appreciate what you're kind of putting on my heart. You're telling me what to do, but, you know, let me just pray about it. You know, you just do it. You obey him. God is a God who commands. He's a general, right? He's a general that commands us to go. Here are some commands in Scripture. These aren't suggestions, by the way. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Produce fruit. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Come, follow me. Let your light shine before men. Do not commit adultery. Do not look lustfully at a woman. Do not break your oath. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Do not store up treasures on earth. Store up treasures in heaven. Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, or your body about what you will wear. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Honor your father and mother and your neighbor as well. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Clean the inside of the cup and dish, and the outside will also be clean. Watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And these are only some of the commands found in just the book of Matthew. We don't like to be told what to do. Amen? We don't like to be told what to do. But we need to learn to trust him. There is no equality here between God and us. He is the master and I am a servant. There's no equality. Sometimes we feel like God uh, doesn't command us, but he only offers suggestions. You know, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes, you know, I know when God is commanding me, but I kind of see him as suggestions. You know, I'll be driving in the car, and I'll be listening to something, and I'll feel that little voice, you know. Turn the song. This isn't, a, this isn't a great song. You don't need to be listening to this. Just turn it off. Put on something better. It's for your own good. And I respond usually. Well, God, you don't understand. I mean, I understand this is a bad song. But I'm not really listening to the lyrics, really. I just like the beat. It sounds a good beat, and I like that, and it makes me feel good. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. You know. Or, you know what? 
turn off this, this television show and, and let's, let's just spend some time together. You know, open up your Bible and let's pray and pray, pray talk to me and let's read. You know, God, uh, hold on one second. I'm only through season two of this, ep- this new show and I got to catch up and all, all my friends are, you know, they're way ahead and there's a lot of, you don't understand, God, spoilers. You don't understand that. There's spoilers out there on the internet and I'm going to hear about them and I got to know what's going on before I hear about it on the internet, right? So let's just put that on hold. I'll talk to you later. Let's figure this stuff out. Or you're driving and someone cuts you off in traffic and you're like, oh, here we go. And you feel God say, hey, look, you know, just let it go. Maybe they're having a bad day. It's okay. Show grace, show forgiveness, show love. You say, hold on one second, God. Thank you for your suggestion. I'm going to go show them something else. You're going to take off after that guy. I'm going to teach him a lesson, right? See, this happens a lot. And days and months and years may go by of these suggestions that you ignore. And then you come back to God and you say, hey, God, this relationship, I see this all the time. I've done it before. This relationship that we have, it's not very exciting. I'm not really getting a lot out of this. I don't really feel like I'm changing a lot. So, I don't know. Let's go ahead and just, like, put things on hold for a little bit. You know, it's not me. It's you. I feel rejected. I feel in love at times. And you know what? Maybe we can try again at another point. I have other things I would like to try out for now. Then God looks at us and says, God, don't you understand? Like, though I want to spend time with you. I want to talk with you. You're the apple of my eye. When you wake up in the morning, I'm beaming. And I'm ready to talk to you. And I want to spend time with you. And I want you to bring your, your burdens and your worries. And I want you to, to cast off all the things that you don't need to be carrying. And I want you to live free and excited and full of love and joy. Don't you understand? We usually respond with, well, I appreciate that. Really, it's not working. You know, I've had some neck issues for the last couple months. and Or, actually, it's been a little while, but... Got a little worse and kind of goes back and forth. And I've gone to the chiropractor. And I'm always hard on chiropractors because I'm like, I want them just to adjust me and just be done. Like, oh, there, you're done. Everything's great. Go on and live in peace, you know? But the reality is, I go and I get an adjustment. And then he always does this, and I hate this, but he always says, go home. Here's this band. Do these exercises with this band. And it's going to get your neck stronger and you're going to feel better. And so I'm like, eh, all right, thank you. And I go home, and I put the band down, and I just, whatever. And I come back a week later, I'm like, you know what, still hurts. Still hurts. Can you do your job? Fix me? You know, fix my neck? And he goes, sure, sure. Let's adjust, uh-uh, do the little thing. Okay, here's some new exercises since the other ones didn't work. Little does he know I didn't do them, right? Since the other ones weren't working, here's some other exercises to try these things or whatever. And, you know, so I go home, and I put the other band there, or I you know, turn on TV or whatever. Come back a week later and go, oh, it still hurts. You're not, you're not doing your job. I say, you know what? It's been a great working relationship, but see you later. This isn't working out for me. It's so frustrating, isn't it? See, this is where our faith lives and dies. He is our master. We are his servants. And I don't want to come across too harshly about this whole lack of obedience thing. But the reason why I bring it up is because as I was preparing for this sermon, 
You know, it's kind of funny. You have, like, the sermon, like, this is kind of what I think we, we're going to talk about, God. You know, sometimes you do that. I don't know if you've ever, you know, done a Bible study or done a sermon or just anything in life. You're like, this is where we're going, God. And he goes, hold on a second. Nope, this is where you're going. I was like, wait a minute. I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready for that. Because in my mind, it was all about growth and community, limiting the weight so we can grow together and, and lift burdens and be excited about the, the tangible burdens that we can lift. And I was ready for that. But then God just smacked me right in the gut and said, you need to be more obedient. You don't listen to me. You don't obey what I tell you to do. You think I'm just suggesting, and I'm not. So that was so hard. He convicted me so much that even as I'm preparing the this, this sermon, I was, I was kind of crying about it. Like, I don't. You know that voice. You know when he's telling you to do something. We don't get to just put it off. We need to try to do the best we can. And, and are we going to be perfect? No. We're not going to be perfect. We are rebellious servants who think we're masters. I thought I was a master. And even in reality, we do. We, we train ourselves to be independent, to live on our own, and to be the one in charge. And the reality is we have to always remember he's the one in charge. We need to power up, adjust the weight, and we will grow. Galatians 5 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. We are called to be free, empowered, and walking in purity. We are called to lift the burden of others in our community by serving one another, another love. Verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves so that you may also, you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We bear the burdens by restoring sinners. We want to bring them back. We look around and we see, we see people are hurting, we see people are caught in a sin, and we know that's not what's best for them. We want to restore them, to bring them back into fellowship. We enter their lives with empathy and concern and take on whatever sorrows and burdens and difficulties we can. And in, those, in so doing, we fulfill the law of Christ. Bearing each other's burdens is so important. We need to power up by spending time with him. We need to adjust the weight, limiting social media, limiting sin, reducing sin, and getting rid of sin if we can. And we will grow. As we power up through that time of fellowship with God, we are filled with the joy that overflows. Remaining disciplined and obedient. We will become strong enough to lift others' burdens to help them when they are in sin, to encourage them to grow through discipleship and modeling Christ's work in our lives to them. Not only should we fuel up, we need to be discerning when it comes to understanding which weights are for us to lift. We are inundated with burdens and tragedies and loss. And can I be honest? I don't think we're meant to carry all of those burdens. Let's be strategic and successful. Let's not become those who are overwhelmed, defeated, discouraged, and paralyzed. 
useless to those around us, let's lift the weights and burdens of those around us and grow together in community. You know, this sermon is, is the first of three going over the, the core values of Grace Fellowship. This one's growing in community, growing spiritually in community. We're also going to be doing one about generosity and the gospel impact. Growth in community is growth towards Jesus. And sanctification takes place among believers when they are in relationship amongst each other. This is taken from our, our website. It's something we believe that you will grow when you're in relationship with one another at the church here. You know, if we go back a few thousand years ago to when the church was starting, it looked a little bit differently, right? You know, people met in smaller groups. They had community that was manageable. They didn't have social media. They didn't have the internet. They were able to teach each other and to pray and to serve and to love and carry burdens of one another effectively. And now we fast forward to now. It looks a little differently, right? People attend churches of hundreds and sometimes thousands. We have the internet, which makes our community unmanageable. We rely on the pastors and the staff to teach, pray, serve, love, and carry the burdens of all the church. Which, let's be honest, they aren't able to do effectively. God has commanded us all to love, to bear, to serve, to disciple, and to help the helpless. We need to power up, adjust our weight, and we'll grow. As I close, my encouragement to you is this. You can do this. Powering up, spending time with God, doing what he says. Lift the weight, which has hopefully been made a little bit lighter this morning. One of the easiest ways to do this here at Grace is to join a life group. I hope you understand why that's an easy thing to do, why, why, that's, that, why that applies. Because when we look at our world, there's so many people. There's so many needs. If you look at 10 to 12 in the church, that is doable. You can lift that. You can obey the commands of Scripture by bearing and loving and encouraging and discipling and teaching and supporting in 10. John, you can't do 200 so you know. You try. You can't. You can't do 200. You could do 10. Here at Grace Fellowship, we desire to see every adult involved in a life group. Every adult. Let's start that journey of growth and fellowship now. Sign up today. Let's pray.